I can't feel my fingers anymore. I lied. They're, they're, they're numb. Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. Backhand towards the goal, loose puck, everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Defended by Simmons, is this the dagger? What is going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Frostbite Sports, brought to you by Blue Collar Media Group. I'm Harrison, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jet Folk. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? What a weekend of football we had there. We'll touch on that in a bit, but uh, I think we should start off with some baseball. What do you figure? Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, I just want to say after uh, missing last week, I'm pretty excited to, to be back talking some sports again, so... Yeah, that was a long hiatus, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but two weeks, man. When you're when you're used to you know talking about sports every week, two weeks is a it's a big big drop. Yeah, I had to fill the itch just talking in the Twitter chat with the BCMG boys. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So, anyways, we got lots to talk about because obviously we got two weeks of uh, sports to get through here. So we're going to start off here with a quick question for Jet, and uh, so the Jays clinched the playoffs. Uh, couple days ago and they play Tampa Bay on Tuesday uh what do you make of this Tampa's one of the best teams in the league do the Jays have any chance of actually going on or should we just kind of be uh you know lucky to get to enjoy a couple bonus games from the Jays this year well I've got a good and a bad thing to say about the Jays here one good awesome for them to get into these playoffs I know that the city of Toronto loves their Jays uh well all Canada really and uh it's it's good to see them back in the playoffs um one bad, it's tough to see them lose the last game of the season to the Baltimore Orioles to miss out on getting the fifth seed. <laughs> yeah. That is not fun. But it is what it is. They're in. They've got the Rays. This is a team that they're very familiar with, which I think actually helps a lot. And I don't think that the Rays are your traditional juggernaut that you'll usually see in the first seed. That's not to say they're not good, but they don't have that like radiance of, wow, they can't be beat that many often do. Right. So I look at this series and I, I first want to take a look at the pitchers and the projected starter for game one for the uh, Jays is Taiwan Walker, who has looked phenomenal with the Jays. He's got a 1.37 ERA and he's going to match up against Blake Snell, who in his own right is one of the studs of the MLB. I think that's a great showdown. Um, what I'm going to be looking for is guys like uh, Lords Gurriel Jr., and Vladdy Guerrero, because those boys were hot in the last week, really pushed the Jays uh, to, to be playing at their best. So I'll be keeping an eye on them. And then I would assume that the Jays probably go with uh, Hyun Jin Ryu for the second game. He, uh, he had his name in the mix for Cy Young all year, played outstanding. He'd go up against likely the, the fireball arm of Tyler Glasnow, who actually gets blown up here and there, but is nonetheless just a k machine so uh yeah i mean i gotta say there's 
there's a lot uh, to, to factor in here. I think that the Jays, with one of the best offenses in the league, has a really good chance. Actually, in the opening game of the year, they blew up Blake Snell. So, uh, you know, they've, they've got a chance to, to maybe take this thing. I, I like them in this series. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but, I mean, anything can happen. You know, all it takes is a couple good games and, and you're moving on. So I think the Jays are going to really need to rely on offense. They're going to have to... They're going to have to count on outscoring uh, Tampa Bay. I don't think they can. I don't think they have what it takes to to win a one nothing game. But I, I think they're really going to need. Uh, they're going to need those young young hot bats to keep uh, keep producing if they want a chance to win this series. I think. Oh, quick correction. That was actually Charlie Morton that they blew up game one. But he'd be projected to play game three anyways, which would be the series breaker if they got to it. So that's uh, that could be very integral right there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so mo- moving on to hockey now. So we talked last last time we did an episode a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, potential playoff MVPs for each team, whoever uh, ends up winning. Uh, so in the last, you know, from the games that we've seen so far uh, since then, uh, has your opinion changed at all on based on the play in the finals of who you think might be in line for an MVP? Well, I think it goes without saying for Dallas, if, if they win this cup, it's got to go to Miro Heiskanen. He's been absolutely phenomenal these entire playoffs, and he's uh, really carrying these guys through this series, <clears throat> series two. He's going to have to have a massive game in game six if they want to uh, push this to seven. So that's where I'd be going with Dallas. As for Tampa Bay, I uh, I still think Vasilevsky's getting slept on a lot uh, just because it's almost like people look at him as, well, yeah, he's supposed to do that. It's Vasilevsky. But that, I don't know that that's fair. I mean, it's he's he's playing incredible. So I, I think he deserves credit. But I think you got to go either probably Victor Hedman or Braden Point. I think that just what they bring to the table uh, in regard for Point with the, the amount of usage that he's had, that uptick with Stamkos out, and then with uh, Hedman, I mean, he's he's got 10 goals. And the only other guys to do that, uh, who was it? It was, I can't remember the second guy, but the other one was Paul Coffey. And it's like, if your name is getting thrown around with legends, that's, they're, they're in your own right, uh, deserves uh, some MVP considerations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's playing unbelievable. But, you know, I don't know if Hedman is, is I don't think his numbers jump off the charts uh, enough for him to get the MVP over uh, Point Kucherov or Vasilevsky, they just they all have those you know the the nice looking stats. Whereas Hedman, obviously, his ten goals is huge, but you know twenty one points in the playoffs. You know Heiskanen has twenty six or whatever it is. Like I just don't think they jump off the page quite like quite the same as the other guys. I'd like to pose a question to you though: if yeah. you took Point or Hedman off, which one causes more damage to Tampa Bay? Well, I mean, I think the obvious answer is Hedman, but yeah, and see, that's what I mean when I'm talking. A point points their number one center, and uh, he's a defensive guy too. He plays uh, good defensive hockey, and he's putting up, you know, what has he got? Twenty two, thirty two points in twenty two games. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think they might be equally fucked if uh, if you take either one of them off the team. No, but yeah, they that's totally they at least have they at least have uh, guys who have shown that they can step up on forwards like Sorelli. So. Yeah, it's still probably Hedman, uh, the biggest, biggest hole in their team if they if they lost him. It's just kind of s- semantics at that point. It's like, well, what what is anyone's definition of most valuable player, right? Uh, I don't know. It's different for everyone. So, I, I'm I'm thinking if Tampa closes the series out and wins this, uh, 
I'm thinking it might actually end up going to Vasilevsky based on the fact that both Point and Kucherov have been so good. Like Kucherov has the team record for points in a playoffs right now, and I'm sure Point would have had it if Kucherov didn't have one more point than he does. Yeah. Uh, so like, but I th- I feel like that's kind of like they were both so good and like equally good that maybe they'll just go with Vasilevsky because he was kind of on his own being that good. Where the other two, it's too hard to like split between them. Yeah, that's fair. I could see that. Another another thing about Vasilevsky. Sorry to interrupt you. Is just that oh, go ahead. um. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is the only team in these playoffs that hasn't gone to a second goalie. Yeah. So yeah, he's played every game, eh? Yeah. I mean, that is uh, just another amazing stat of his. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, what I was going to say about uh, as for Dallas, um, I've cooled on Heiskanen a bit for the MVP. Not like totally, because I think he's still the number one uh, choice for that based on what he's done throughout the whole playoffs, but. In the last two series, uh, he's only got four, four or five points. Like he, it's not the same as what he was putting up in the first couple rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, it's been ten games in the last two series, and he's got five points. So that's you know pretty fantastic for a young defenseman, anyways. But you know he's he went into the series against Vegas with twenty two points already in the playoffs, and now he's f- five games into the second or the Stanley cup final. And he's got 26 points or something like that. So it's uh he hasn't been as off the charts as he was against Calgary and, uh, and Colorado, but yeah, he's still probably their number one choice, but I could see it going to uh, Pavelski too. If he comes up clutch in a couple of goals and, and is big part of them winning, uh, winning the Stanley cup, I could see Pavelski maybe squeaking in there and then stealing it from him. Yeah, potentially, and I think a lot has to do with if there's a, a game seven and if they manage to win this, just how much of an impact Pavelski would have on those games. So yeah, that's a definitely a fair assessment. Anyways, uh, before we dive into the rest of our show, I just want to take a minute to tell you about one of uh, Blue Collar Media Group's sponsors, LivingMyBestCigarLife.com. You know, if you're someone who enjoys a nice stogie on the porch from time to time, uh, LivingMyBestCigarLife.com is perfect for you. They have over 1,500 premium cigars, various size humidors, and gift sets, as well as name brand accessories and monthly specials. Check out their Facebook at Living My Best Cigar Life and their Twitter at My Best Cigar Life for more info. And when you make your first order, make sure to use My Best Cigar Life in all caps for a $10 discount. Don't just live your best life, live your best cigar life. Hey, for any ladies out there listening, we didn't forget about you. Do you like the latest fashion and tips at great prices? Of course you do. Who doesn't? I know I do. If that sounds like you, then loveyco.com is the place for you. So whether you're a lady shopping for yourself or a guy looking for a perfect gift for your significant other, just use the code Pucklehead. That's P-U-C-K-L-E-H-E-A-D, and you'll get 10% off your first Loveyco order. And uh, now without further ado, let's let's get into our main event. To continue with some of the hockey talk, uh, since we're coming up on the end of the season here with just one or two games left to be played, I thought it'd be cool to dive into some potential off seasons for each of the Canadian teams, you know, what they need, what they could do, what they should do rumors and that sort of thing. Uh, Just kind of a preview of, of what we could be seeing from some of these teams, you know, in the shortened off season. Mm -hmm. So for this week, uh, I figured we could start with the Western side of the Canadian teams and uh, we'll start on the West coast there in Vancouver with your boys jet. So uh, I'll I'll throw it over to you first and uh, just, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, like I said, what do you think we're going to see from Vancouver? What do you think they should do? What do you think they're going to do? Just what, what's your overall take for Vancouver's offseason? 
Uh, I think the two obvious pieces that everyone's talking about is Tyler Toffoli and then uh, Jakob Markstrom. Uh, I think with Markstrom, it's one of those situations, and I've touched on it before, where as much as I love the guy, respect what he did for the city, uh, played really great hockey for the team, it's time to move on, and it's because this is still a team in rebuild. People can't forget that. I understand that there was a couple rounds won, but that doesn't mean that they were cup you know, potential there. That's, that's not how that works. They, uh, they had a hot goalie in Markstrom. Then they got them hot goaltending out of Demko and they got just enough out of their team to push to where they did. So uh, I think it's time just because that expansion drafts coming, you know, you're probably going to lose one of those goalies. If you have them both on your roster, you just unfortunately got to let Marky go and keep building with the future. And I think that that future is uh, young Demko. Then uh, to keep on that trend, uh, I really, really do love Tyler Toffoli. I think he's a great player. I think he brings a lot to a team uh, with uh, playoff history, with uh, offensive ability. But by the time that these Canucks are good, he's heading into his 30s probably. Like, well late twenties anyways. And I just don't know that that's a piece you want to pay and hang on to when you could let him go, keep your second round pick that vague or uh, that the Kings would get if you signed him and just keep building towards that future. You can clear up some cap space that way, maybe figure out what you're doing. Uh, and then just look to the future with, uh, guys like Erickson coming off the books in a year or two. And, uh, See, see if you can keep building on this young core that you're working on. So wait, did it, have they signed to Foley yet or is it just still in talks? I think it's still in talks. Oh, okay. I, I thought they maybe signed him already, but that, that's probably good. It sounds like they're planning on signing him though, eh? which might uh, Yeah, it does wrong. sound like that. And you know, a lot of why that is, is because it sounds like they really like the chemistry that he has with guys like Bo Horvat and Brock Besser. And if that's the case... Fair enough. I understand that. It's hard enough to find guys that can line up well with others because you got to figure out what personalities work, what styles of play work, that sort of thing. So if they think that Toffoli just clicks in the lineup, so be it. It is what it is. But I just think from like a, a, a rebuild standpoint where we're about two thirds, three quarters of the way done it. Like, well, let's not dive into the oh win now just yet. We're almost there. Just just wait, you know? Mm hmm. I think the Foley one. It's. I think that would be a good signing for them. Uh, and and I I agree 100. Like I think the the number one thing that they need to remember is that just to keep on the path that they started, not not try and jump ahead of where they are. We we saw the Flames do that, and it kind of backfired on a little bit when they tried to, you know, go off their playoff success one year and and thought that they were ready when they weren't. So I think Vancouver just needs to be patient and continue. Uh, you know, continue gaining experience and, and rebuilding. But that's why I think Toffoli is good for this team because um, I don't think he moves the needle into making them a contender by any means. But if he can have chemistry with, with the top guys, with the young guys, and help them gain more confidence and and uh, show what they can do, that's that's great for the rebuild. And I don't think he's going to kind of put them over the top and make them think they're better than they are. But as long as they don't do that anyways. but Yeah, and I just don't look at Toffoli as a guy, like the way I looked at Louis Erickson when he was signed. And everybody says, oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. No, I was saying right from day one, no, don't give $6 million for six years to Louis Erickson. That's ridiculous. But they did it anyways. 
I was just saying, I just don't have that same vibe from Toffoli. If he's in our t- our lineup, if he's on our team, I'm not worried about him. He's going to be good, but I I don't know. Like I said, it's it's one of those things where it could go either way. I'm probably not going to be too upset either way. Yeah, and I think um, as long as they don't go for an eight-year contract with him, if they can keep it to six, I think you'll get the value out of it. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. But where they are, uh, I it kind of sucks for them because they're at a – where they are with their goaltending right now is where they could really use someone like Markstrom for another year, maybe even two, just to let Demko really get in, uh, get into a groove. But I don't think it would be worth it for them to sign him because then they're losing either him or Demko, and I think he's only going to sign if they give him you know, trade protection, which would make them keep him in the expansion draft, thus losing Demko because definitely uh, Seattle would take Demko. Yeah. Uh, so they're kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place here where they need – Demko hasn't proved, other than the three games in the playoffs where he played amazing, he proved that he has the potential, but he hasn't proved that he is ready to be a full-time starter just yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're probably going to have to end up letting Markstrom go because he doesn't fit with the uh, the long-term plans of the team. But then I think they're really going to need to find a, a good veteran goalie to play with Demko, someone who can kind of be a 1A, 1B with Demko just until Demko fully is like, you know, Fully is in his form and, and ready to be a number one guy. And that could be treacherous territory too, because you, you're you always worried that by bringing a goalie in, uh, Demko might feel threatened. Like what? I'm not good enough for you type of thing. You, you got to really be in his ear about, look, this is your team. Uh, like we're just slowly working you in. Don't worry. It's process type of thing, right? Like you'd have to really get him to buy in because if they bring someone in, and he feels like, oh, really? You're just going to replace Markstrom with somebody else to put in front of me? He might feel slighted. Yeah, well, and that's why I think, like, I mean, obviously don't go for, I mean, there isn't really stars anymore. If Robin Leonard's actually going to sign in Vegas, there isn't really other star goalies out there. I guess there's some big names in someone like Holpe, which would be, a, yeah, that would kind of give the wrong message if they brought Holpe in because you're not bringing Holpe in unless you hope that he's going to be old Holpe again. Yeah. But I think a good target for them would be Cam Talbot. Um Assuming that, you know, I wouldn't mind the Flames bringing back Cam Talbot, but if they are got their sights set bigger, mm-hmm. Talbot could be a really great option for Vancouver because he's, he's very steady. He's, you know, he's led teams in the playoffs before. He just did with Calgary and, and Edmonton. And I think he's the perfect guy, honestly. You sign him for two years, give him, you know, give him each half the games and then uh, see what Demko turns into and, you know, maybe even – keep him around a little longer if you if you need him but yeah i mean it could it could just be one of those things where demko knows he's splitting games and he knows that if he performs at a significantly higher level than whoever the other guy is he's just gonna t- take the job out right right so yeah yeah exactly and uh like that that's good for guys having that competition internally where you know if they just signed like a you know laurent brassois type that's gonna maybe play 10 games a year and lose most of them uh, just so they could sign someone cheap, you know, that might even make Demko a little more complacent thinking that, okay, they're already handing the team over to me. You know, you kind of want them to keep working hard. Yeah. The other thing I've, I've kind of pegged that could be a, a big, uh, big area need for Vancouver anyways, is I think they could really use a, a, a second fiddle to, to Quinn Hughes. Like obviously this guy's going to be good, but I think if you can get a, if you can get like another another stud to roll with him and have those two guys, uh, I think that would be huge for the for for the team. And I think uh, someone like even like Tory Krug, I think would be a good uh, get for Vancouver if they could convince him to 
to sign there anyways. Uh, you know, that could be another guy who, you know, another smaller guy who plays a high skill game could be a learning a guy to learn from for Hughes and could also, you know, add a little extra offense from the back end, take a little bit of the pressure off Hughes for next year too. I think that'd be a good, good target for them anyways. Oh, I, I love that idea, but I think he's going to command quite a ransom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's probably going to get up there, but I mean, he's not even the big fish on the market flat cap, you know, he might, he might end up signing a little less than he probably would have uh, with no COVID and with no uh, Alex Petrangelo on the market. Yeah, very true. I'm not sure what Vancouver's uh, cap situation is at yet, but I can't imagine they're, they're as strapped as uh, some of the other Western Canadian teams. Well, they're paying two mil a year to each of their fourth liners and they've got Lou Erickson for six. So (laughs) yeah, I guess that could, I guess that could add up pretty quick. Yeah. Anyways, is there anything else you want to say about Vancouver? Should we move on to Calgary? No, I think we've pretty much wrapped up Vancouver. Uh, it's it's uh, interesting times over there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and pretty exciting too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moving on to Calgary. Um, uh, as you guys know, I'm a big Calgary fan, and you know, I'm I think they need a shakeup this year. I think I don't know if I trust that this core can get it done in the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely of the opinion that a big shakeup would be much needed for this team. And, uh, just so happens that in a true Brad Trailiving fashion, they are, uh, have been rumored to be in on all of the top free agents this year. Uh, you know, LeBron mentioned it on Twitter the other day that Alex or the Calgary might be a landing spot for Alex Petrangelo. Obviously there's been a lot of hall talk over the last, you know, couple months, and the Flames are just happen to be in uh in the market for a, a high end goalie too. So uh, Markstrom could be a target of theirs, and actually is a target of theirs. Whether or not we can get one or any of these guys uh, is still yet to be seen. As uh, history has showed, we probably end up with none of them, which would be hugely disappointing. But you know, at least they're there, and at least they're uh, willing to to talk with these guys and try and get some of them out there. Yeah, I mean, I consistently find myself looking at Calgary and just thinking, man, if they just had an elite goalie. And I think Markstrom could be that guy for Calgary. I really do. I think it just makes sense. I can't see Vancouver holding on to Markstrom. And with him out there, I think he, he's going to look at his options. He knows he's going to get paid wherever he goes. It really doesn't matter in that sense. And I would, if I'm him, I'm looking at Calgary's roster and going, yeah, I think I'd be the missing piece. Yeah, exactly. And that, well, that's the other thing too with uh, with Hall is his number one thing is he wants to win, right? So if he's, you know, and, and Calgary hasn't had all that much success, but say they sign Markstrom and then Hall's looking, okay, well, there's another piece now if I sign there. and then, Or maybe they luck out and they get it, uh, Alex Petrangelo. And then why wouldn't Hall come if they could still fit it all under the cap? You know, they'd have to move out some guys, but, you know, Flames sign a couple of these big guys and then the other one might want to sign there too, just based on the fact that, well, they're already going. They're obviously going all in. Could be a has has some potential, anyways, to be a huge off season for the Flames. It also, has potential to be extremely disappointing because we're hearing rumors that we're in on all these guys. So if we don't end up with even one of them, it's going to be pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think if I'm in Calgary, I'm going. Let's get Markstrom. Let's get this done. Yeah. And then yeah, well, and then so if if. Uh, they could basically they can find ways to sign one of these guys without moving out anything uh, 
crazy. But there's also opportunities that if they can sign all of these guys, they, you know, it's only a few trades and, and they could be right back into under the cap. Uh, one big thing, if uh, if Alex Petrangelo does end up in Calgary, which would be amazing, I think the the way to go for the Flames would be to trade Giordano. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rumors about Hannafin um, being traded, but Giordano is almost two more million a year cap-wise. He's only got two years left on his contract, and he won the Norris last year, so it's not like teams are going to be scared of taking him on. And uh, that's a lot of cap to move. And then obviously there's rumors around a Gaudreau trade too, which I wouldn't be opposed to, especially because he's only got two years left, and um, I don't know if he's going to sign. I've talked about this before. So, you know, if you can bring in Hall or Alex Petrangelo or a Markstrom or a collection of two or three of these guys, uh, then then yeah, I think you can kind of shift your whole culture. If you're bringing in Petrangelo, you have a new like guy who can step into a leadership role right away. You can move Giordano and and get out from, you know, the expire or like the aging player and and move move to a younger core again and uh, and keep going, keep growing, uh, which would be huge. And I think Gaudreau has to go even without Hall signing this year. I mean, you can hold on to him for one more year and trade him then but if if you know he's not going to sign you kind of got to get the max you can get for the deal yeah absolutely i i'm a firm believer in that if it's clear that a player doesn't want to stick around like you got to do what you can to retain some assets yeah and that's where teams get into real trouble uh where you know they we have a good team so it's like well i don't want to just trade gaudreau because then we're taking a step back well sometimes you you kind of have to take a step back uh if you if you're never willing to take a step back, you're just going to end up in a point where, uh, you know, you you step off the you step off the ledge and you you know you crumble. Yeah, and then guys are leaving for free, and you're left empty-handed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know the fl- the Flames are in a really unique situation this year because uh, they have, you know, they they need to make changes. That's clear. They have 16 million cap space, which, you know, they just need to fill out bottom of the roster and, and Manjapani will get a decent contract. But for the most part, you can fill fill in the empty spots with fourth liners. Maybe you sign, well, you need to sign a goalie, Manjapani, and then like one decent defenseman who can play, you know, as your number four, basically, until Valimaki's for sure ready to go. But you also don't want to sign a guy who's going to keep Valimaki from, from stepping up if you can, so... It's kind of like right in that you want to get that four or five guy who first half of the year can play top four. And then second half of the year, you kind of want to project Val Mackey to be up there because this is a kid who's got some real high skill. He's, you know, coming into the draft, he had uh, metrics and, and uh, NHL equivalencies of like similar to these top guys that we're talking about in the playoffs in the Hughes and the McCarr and Heiskanen. Like he was, he was up there with them with uh, with what people expected him to do in the NHL level. So if uh, we kind of, you can't, you can't cap his, uh, his ceiling. You kind of got to give him room to, to move into where he's going. So it's, it's going to be tricky to find the right guy to, to be that role in for the flames. Yeah. And I mean, in Hughes and McCars and Heisken in situations outside of maybe one other guy on each team, there wasn't really a whole lot in front of those guys. So they really had a lot more opportunity to try to grow. Whereas I think in Calgary, there's a bit more of a log jam there at defense. So that's a, a lot tougher for Valimaki to come out and have a year like those guys did. So it'll be interesting to see how Calgary wants to go about dealing with that defensive situation. 
but obviously, uh, first and foremost, if you could land a Petrangelo, that, that'd be huge. And I don't think that in any way affects what would happen to Valmaki. No, especially Petrangelo being right-handed. I was just going to bring this up, though. I think, um, and like, don't get me wrong, if you can land Petrangelo, you do it. Like, he's he's probably the best defenseman in the league, right? Well, other than best Canadian defenseman in the league. I mean, Yossi and Hedman are probably better, but... You know he's he's in the top five for defensemen probably right now, and so you obviously you obviously add him if you can. But the thing that I was just thinking about the other day, and, and I posted on uh, some forums and stuff, was if the Flames do add Petrangelo, you're basically just capping the uh, the ceiling of of a guy who's spo- who is on track to be our number one defenseman sooner rather than later in Rasmus Anderson, because you know he's never going to be playing unless you switch him to the left side and and have them both playing top pair minutes which could be an option but a lot of teams don't like having the right handers on the wrong side but uh like because if you know Petrangelo's there Rasmus Anderson's always going to be you know on the second pair he's always going to be the number two option kind of guy so uh, that's that's one thing that's kind of disappointing about going after a guy like Petrangelo but then at the same time like that defense would be even if you signed Petrangelo traded Giordano that defense would be uh still just as solid even more solid and uh, still a lot of room to grow for the young guys. So that, that would be really exciting, but sounds to me like a really good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have unless you're one of, unless you're a huge fan of Rasmus Anderson and you really want to see him take that next step. And then you're kind of like, well, damn it. I'd love to have Petrangelo, but at the same time, you know, I, I want to, I think Rasmus Anderson could be a legit, like number one defenseman in this league. And I kind of want to see it happen. Yeah, well, that's fair, but I mean, take into account coaches can really manipulate game plans and they can get these guys to basically be a 1A, 1B with minutes. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there's there's still a chance that even with AP there, they, they could still develop Anderson to be exactly what uh, Calgary's hoping him to be. Yeah, and I, I hope uh, if, that, if that ends up being the case, I, I just kind of hope, uh, you know, let's not get stuck on the lefty-righty thing, especially when we got Val Mackey. Uh, sitting behind Hannafin and Giordano like if we can get them top four minutes let's get them top four minutes regardless of you know without demoting Hannafin or, or Giordano same it would be the same same or same situation with Petrangelo and Rasp Sanderson where it's like let's get both these guys the minutes it, like let's have our best players playing as much as we can regardless mm-hmm. of if they're on their offside or not because I mean that, I think that's a little overrated yeah having righty well, lefty on defense but I think the whole idea of like, uh, you know, top two, top four, top six, like I, I don't take it as seriously as I once did just because nowadays coaches are getting so smart with line changes uh, like on home ice and stuff that it doesn't matter as much as it, it once might have because they can just kind of pick and choose who they want out there really. I don't know. You still see so many coaches being like, oh, we needed more right-handed defensemen and we got to have righty-lefty on every pair. And it's like, God damn, guys, like, Sometimes guys don't care. You know, TJ Brody, he likes playing on his off wing. Does that mean you're going to – actually, I know one coach did try and move him to his natural side, quote-unquote natural side, and he was terrible. He hated it. Well, to be fair, he was playing with uh, Hamannick, who was having an absolutely brutal year. I'm talking about TJ Brody, by the way. Yeah. Then as soon as he gets switched back to the right side, playing with Giordano, obviously playing with Giordano helps, but, you know, wow. Brody helps. Brody helps Giordano too, so – you know. much, much like a, a line's chemistry that you can't really put numbers on, 
Yeah. You, you can't really put numbers on guys' preferences and just what they feel comfortable with. It it just is what it is. And I think a lot of great teams understand those things about their players and put them in the best situation for them to succeed. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, yeah, I just think that if a guy is perfectly comfortable on both sides, that's a good problem to have. And you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't discount that because he's a left-handed defenseman. You know, if he's fine playing the right side, let him play the right side. It makes us better because we're short on right-handed defensemen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, other than the big game hunting for the Flames, you know, I think uh, I think this is going to be an interesting year. And I, I mean, no, it never comes to fruition the uh, offer sheets, but you know, there's a couple teams that are really, uh, really in a bad spot right now that could be taken advantage of a little bit. Um, and uh, if you can kind of steal someone like Anthony Sorelli out of Tampa Bay because they can't pay everybody, uh, I think that's something you got to think about going for. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? You, you can just shoot the offer out and see what happens. It never hurts. Uh, I I have heard rumors, though, that some it's like kind of like a faux pas amongst GMs. Like, oh, if you try to offer sheet our team, well, then you're not getting trades from us for five years or something. But I don't know how much truth there is behind that. Well, I'm sure teams would really hate it, but uh, like, yeah, it would piss it would piss a lot of people off. But you know, if you can get a guy, what's the if you can get a guy that's really going to put your team over the top? Uh, I don't think it should stop you having one GM in the league be like, oh no, I don't, I'm not going to trade with you because you know how often are you know is one individual team trading with one other individual team? Right? There's a lot of teams out there, and I don't think yeah. having one guy off the table or is going to really change uh, change too much of what you're planning to do. Yeah, uh, it's it's a competitive league. I don't think anyone's out there to try to make friends. I just wish we saw more of those because, like, especially this year with the Islanders and Tampa Bay, they're both they don't really have enough to sign two of the guys that they need to sign, and like Sergachev and Sorelli, and then Islanders have Pulak and Barzal both up. You know, you can kind of leverage it. You one guy signs an offer sheet, and then maybe you go big on the other one uh, when they match, just to uh, really uh, squeeze them. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Islanders, I'm doing whatever I have to do with my roster to make it work so I can get both those guys back because they are super important to that team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Sorelli finished fourth in a Selkie voting this year. So, I mean, that's another super important player to the to Tampa Bay. But, you know, they might they might really have to make some tough choices, especially having all their uh, the guys that you'd think would be the first guys out the door who all have no movement clauses. So like Tyler Johnson, they really screwed themselves there with uh, with some of those ones. Yeah, they get teams get big eyes for guys when they go on massive hot streaks, and then when they cool off, they go, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from Calgary, uh, heading to up north to Edmonton. Um, oh, boy. Fuck. Uh, they need so much, I don't even know where to begin, man. This, is, this team is, uh, you know, outside of, three and a half, maybe four players. They're basically an AHL squad. Oh, like this is a team that would be com- competing for the first pick if they didn't have the best player on the planet. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. I, I don't even understand how a franchise can be run this poorly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think I, I think you saw the, the, that picture on Twitter that I was, I was sharing around where since the lockout, so 15 years, um, in the cap salary cap world, Edmonton has been uniquely terrible. Like yeah. we're talking like, 
uh, 0.24 winning percentage points less than Arizona, who's above 500. Arizona sitting basically right at 500, and Edmonton is at 0.474, uh, I think. It's, it's actually insane how bad they've been. Yeah. Especially with all the first overall picks they got. But then I think the gap between Edmonton at 30th and Arizona at 29th over this 15 year period is the same as the gap between 29th and like 22nd. Jeez. It's absolutely insane. So like, I mean, they need, they need everything. They need defense. Uh, I mean, they got some decent young guys, but they don't really have anyone who can play defense. All their guys are, uh, all their guys are offense first guys, except for Adam Larson, who's really neither. Yeah. Offense first or defense first. He doesn't really do anything. He just takes up some time and isn't absolutely terrible. I think the big the biggest thing with Edmonton is like I don't think that they can really land guys on free agency because it's not an appealing city to live live in. It like der- terrible winters and uh like the allure of the city of champions has been gone since like the early 2000s. It's not even, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, sure they've got McDavid, but everybody looks at their team and they're like yeah, that's all they got. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, a little, little bit of credit to Dreis, sure, whatever. Yeah, he's a good forward. He's not a good defensive player at all. But, I mean, you know, I, I just don't think that any of these free agents look at them and go, oh, man, yeah, I could really help that team. Like, it's it's a lost cause over there, and that's the biggest problem. It's such a, from top to bottom, the entire franchise just looks like a joke to the rest of the league. Yeah, oh, no, 100%. And, like, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. McDavid would be a bit of a draw, but unless you're a guy who really 100% believes that your addition to the team is going to make up for having basically only five NHL caliber forwards and three NHL caliber defense, uh, I don't know if, if even playing with McDavid is enough to make living at Edmonton worth it. Yeah. Well, and they're another team too where like, I'm constantly just going, what are you doing at goalie? Like, is Miko Koskinen the answer, really? I, no. I don't know. Like, And that's an issue that they've always dealt with. I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, that's and that brings up, I've been hearing rumors that uh, uh, they're they're in talks with Arizona about a potential, uh, well, they're just interested in, in Oliver Ekman-Larsen and in uh, Darcy Kemper, which would definitely help their team. Well, Kemper would. Um OEL would just be adding another guy who's never heard the word defense to a team that has never heard the word defense. So I don't know if uh, that would help as much, but it would be hilarious for them to throw another eight and a half million dollars at a guy who's not going to help the main problem of their team. They're just hoping they can win games 5-4 and have Darcy make 50 out of the 54 shots saved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Camper would be a huge target for them, especially, but I mean, that's going to cost especially if they're trying to get OEL and Kemper, they're probably going to have to move Nurse back the other way, plus their first, because I think that's what Arizona's looking to get for Kemper, who's admittedly had elite numbers over the last three years. So probably worth a first, but not a lot of teams are willing to trade a first, I don't think, for him. Yeah, Edmonton might be just desperate enough to do it, though, so that'd be uh, that's something to watch for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's almost at the point where it's like, well, I don't know, should we just try shit and see what happens? Like, yeah, I yeah, I, don't know. I can see, uh, I can possibly see Dumba being a target for them too. Uh, he's uh, he's on the market, and 
Minnesota's original uh, ask for him is uh, is getting lowered by the minute. So I don't, but I just don't know what they could move. Like, would they try and move something around Yamamoto, even though he was probably one of the main reasons that uh, Dre Siddle could actually play without McDavid? Or do they try and move Ryan Nugent Hopkins, which then really depletes their center depth that they sort I mean, of have? Do they still have Puliarvi's rights? Maybe he is worth like I don't know third round pick value or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows what he's worth at this point? But yeah, maybe. Oh man, I like they. This is the they have no cap space. They have 11 million uh, in cap space, and they need to sign three defensemen, four forwards, and a goalie. They have nobody that they can spare to trade for good players because they. You know, they only have a handful of guys that have any value. I just, I just don't like this team's going to be even worse next year, which is surprising because how can you be worse than Edmonton? <laughs> how does Edmonton out Edmonton Edmonton? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's just shocking. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I kind of just want to move on because it's making me sad to uh, even think about Edmonton. Sad and happy. Yeah. Just uh, sad in the fact that, like, how can something be this pathetic? But, happy in the fact that it's hilarious how pathetic they are yeah as long as they're not getting first overall picks anymore i'm happy yeah me too (laughs) Uh, i was so convinced that they were going to miss the playoffs and then because they missed the playoffs they were going to get that first overall pick this year so convinced about it so glad it didn't happen yeah agreed all right, we're uh, yeah, we gotta kind of move on a little. We got a whole bunch of football to talk about still, and we're uh, yeah, still got one more team to talk about here in hockey. So sounds good. Uh, the Jets, uh, you know, the, this team is they got a big offseason ahead of them because they only have I think seven players signed past next season, and about half of their team right now needs a contract. So they got a lot of work to do. And but the number one thing I think they need is uh, to focus on is defense. Like they got absolutely decimated after they. They traded Truba and then had Buffalo and basically just quit. Yeah, uh, they were they were crayon crew on defense today and uh, so or this year. I mean, so they, that's a, that's a huge one for them. And and you know, but one hole I think that's probably going to get filled is uh, Travis Hamonic. You know, he's mm-hmm. from Manitoba and I think he, I think he'll sign there. Even though I don't, that sort of helps your defense. I'm not a huge fan of Travis Hamonic, but at least it's some stability back there. But I don't know. What do you think about uh, Winnipeg uh, this offseason? Well, first of all, I think that they'd still have enough offense if they wanted to do what all these rumors are saying about uh, trading line A. I, I honestly would be fine with it. I mean, especially if you can land a defenseman back, that instantly solves one of your uh, defensive problems. But, um, yeah, I mean, just target guys in, F- <clears throat> in FA. I'd be looking at probably... Like I really like Sammy Vatnin. Uh I I got a lot of respect for Chris Tanev, even though he uh, doesn't really do much offensively, but he'll block every second shot that comes towards the net, so that helps. Um, and like I I like their forward group, I really do. I think that they can score goals fine, and obviously Hellebuck's a stud, so you're you're not really that far off of being right back in the mix right now. So I I wouldn't panic and blow it up or anything like that, but definitely try to find guys to fill out your top six D. Yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board. I think the line A trade is could be beneficial for them if they bring back a couple pieces, and uh, one of them's a, a high end defenseman. It's just I don't know. 
what that trade would look like. Line has some, his value is weird to me where I think a lot of teams view him as extremely lazy, but then also teams view him as, you know, a guy who can shoot the puck better than, you know, anybody in the league except for Stamkos and Ovechkin. Yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously got value to people, but then also he's going to be asking for over 8 million, which is, you know, sometimes hard to give to a guy who only cares about shooting the puck and, really doesn't even train in the off season, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of issues there. A lot of red flags that I think the teams are might not be willing to give up uh prime assets for, but I mean, it could be, it could work for a couple teams, you know? Uh, I, I do wonder if a team that's like really defensively sound like a, a Vegas or a New York Islanders or something like that could maybe take on a line eight and just sort of hide him on defense. You know what I mean? And just, strictly use him as that offensive threat and be be well aware that he's almost uh Ovechkin in his young years-esque of like he's not really gonna do a whole lot for you defensively but fuck mm-hmm. is he gonna put the puck in the net yeah for sure <laughs> I'm maybe thinking uh he might be an option for a Dumba trade with uh, Minnesota for Dumba yeah saves them a couple a bit of cap from what they would have to pay line a and you know they could probably even add a Dumba plus you know a a young forward or something like that to replace in your top nine. I think that could be a good option for them. Yeah, that, that would definitely help. Well, and then a guy like Fiala doesn't feel so forced to have to be the guy constantly uh, offensively, right? That that would help him for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they, I mean, they got a lot of a lot of options on for defensemen this year, especially when you just kind of need to fill holes. Not uh, you know teams that are looking for top end guys. You know, there's only one or two options, but. You know, like you mentioned, uh, Tanev, but then Justin Schultz, Shattenkirk, Barry, Vatanen, Hamannick, Krug, Brody, Petrangelo. Yeah. They got a lot of options, and, and that's pretty lucky that, you know, their biggest need is the one that has the most uh, most options in free agency. Yeah, definitely. But uh, anyways, uh, before we get into the NFL and NBA talk, uh, we want to take a quick moment to talk about a new sponsor for Blue Collar Media Group uh, called Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app that's doing things a little bit differently. They took out the hours of research needed to find those hidden gems that no one else knows about because they keep it to the top tier players. It's best on best. You spend your cap, you build your roster, and you win money. And if you download the app now, deposit some money, minimum of $20, and put in the promo code BCMG, you will receive a bonus $20. Are you talking free $20? Free 20 bucks, man. Yeah, 100%. When, how, how often do you get free money in this world? You love to see it. So what are you waiting for? Download the app, put in the promo code BCMG, and start winning money today. So, Jet, the uh, the NBA Finals are set. Uh, we have the LA Lakers, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis, taking on the Miami Heat, led by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Oh, baby, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Uh, before I get your takes, though, Jet, I just want to say, I got to get this off my chest, Jimmy Butler has really grown on me. This playoffs, uh, he's a guy who I didn't have a lot of respect for before. I used to view him as a bit of a cancer because he'd go to, you know, went to Chicago. It didn't work out. Then he went to Minnesota. Looks like they should be studs. Didn't work out. Then he goes to Philly. Looks like they should be an instant contender. Doesn't work out. I started thinking like, okay, well, obviously he's the problem here. But now I'm starting to think that maybe it's these other teams. They don't have the, they don't have the right culture to, uh, to take on someone like with a big attitude, or not a big attitude, a big uh, personality like Jimmy Butler. And, you know, I've really enjoyed watching him with uh, with Miami. I think he's 
I just think he's a great leader now. I didn't think that before, but I, I'm coming around on him, and I think he's a great leader, and, and he's been great for, for the for the Heat. And one example of, of why I think that is that, that Bam and Abayo block in Game 2 against Tatum. I mean, this might be the best block in playoff history. And, you know, when asked about it after the game, Butler's answer is basically like, hey, that why, that's why this guy is the heart and soul of this team. You know, he just he gave him so much credit for one play just for what he brings to the team. And I was like, hey, that's a great, like, you know, he didn't have to call him the heart and soul of the team. He could have just talked about how amazing that block was. But he's like, no, this is why this guy's, you know, our guy. This is why he's he's a, he's one of our leaders. He's the reason that we win a lot of games. And, and I was like, okay, that's a great answer. It show, really shows his leadership. And I'm just I'm just really impressed with Jimmy Butler. And this is another case of me just looking at a guy like Pat Riley and going, man, is he good at what he does. He shows stability. He understands that his franchise is stable and he knows that he can handle a personality such as Jimmy Butler because he's got a proven coach in Eric Spolstra and he's got the pieces already laid out before Jimmy gets there of this will be the team that Jimmy can take over the top. And for uh, him to go into the meetings with Butler, sell him that pitch and tell him, hey, here's the keys, buddy. We believe in you. That is that is just classic Pat Riley. He's a genius, man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so anyways, let's get into it. What are what are your initial thoughts on, on this matchup between the Lakers and the Heat? Oh, this is going to be spicy, man. There's... There's so much going on in this series. You've got the high-powered offense of the LA Lakers versus the decently-powered offense in the Miami Heat and the very well-coached defensive style of the Miami Heat. I think Bam Adebayo is going to give trouble to Anthony Davis. That is going to be a battle all series long. Jokic showed against uh, the LA Lakers that Davis can get picked on. It's, It's not outside of the realm of possibility. So it's not like Bam's going to be entirely shut down either. Uh, Jimmy clearly showing to me he's one of the top closers in the NBA at the end of fourth quarters. Uh, you love to see that. And the big storyline, of course, what LeBron are we going to get? I hope that we get that that uh, finals uh, LeBron that we saw against the Warriors all those years because, man, is this going to be great. I think this is an awesome matchup, and uh, it's, it's really going to come down to who of the rest of the Lakers can show up for them because they're likely favored, I would imagine, in Vegas, uh, as they should be uh, given the fact that they have LeBron and AD. But uh, a lot is going to come on the shoulders of the supporting cast in LA. Yeah, definitely. And they, uh, I mean, that game five performance by LeBron to, to eliminate Denver, uh, you know, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. You know, that's, uh, you know, maybe that's him flipping the switch, knowing like, hey, this is it. Now I can eliminate this team and move on to the finals again. And, I mean, he fucking st- stepped up for sure, man. Uh, 38 points, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists. Oh, man. Yeah, undeniable. He is locked in right now, and you just love to see it. This is the kind of basketball that you want to see come finals time, West finals, East finals. So uh, I really hope that this uh, snowballs into the next series because, uh, to be fair, actually, I should state this. If LeBron doesn't have his A game, Miami's going to be all over him, man. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. uh, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, so another thing on that, that game five performance, I think this, this is one of the examples of why I have this opinion, but you see it all over Twitter and all over, you know, social media. Anthony Davis is carrying LeBron. Anthony Davis is carrying LeBron. He's putting up huge points, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what? I, I just, 
before before this game five, before I was like, you know, I just get the feeling that AD is carrying the team because LeBron's giving him that opportunity to like he's letting AD carry the team. And and the reason I think that is because, you know, some of those games LeBron was finishing with, you know, 15, 20 points, like nothing spectacular. But every time he was low in points, he had like 12 rebounds, 12 assists kind of thing. You know, he's 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 still doing what he does. He's just letting AD take all take the shots and, and make, a, you know, get those big offensive numbers. So I think it's always been LeBron just letting AD take the take the points while he controls the rest of the game. So I, I don't I don't agree that AD has actually been carrying LeBron. I think it's actually I think LeBron's still been carrying this team. He's just been doing it in a different way that we've never seen before, which is back to his old ways of pass first, shoot second. Yeah, I think like kind of metaphorically speaking here, I think LeBron almost looks at AD as the kind of guy where he's almost like an O-lineman in football where he needs to get that first impact of the game, that real first hit from the D-line to really get into it. And I think he looks at AD as like, all right, I'm going to get you going because I need you because I know at any given point I can turn it on, but I'm not worried about me. I need you to be rolling too. So I think that's just LeBron being the, the basketball genius that he is. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, a lot of guys need to get into the game early. And and I mean, just that that being said too, just how amazing is that LeBron literally can just turn it on and off. Yeah, A lot of guys can't do that once, you know, if they get their head out of it, they're out of it. But LeBron knowing that he can just kind of take over a game almost whenever he wants to. Uh, yeah, get, get AD going. Because as soon as, if they're both going, like it's, it's probably the hardest team in the league to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without question. What do you do, right? If they're both clicking, how do you defend it whatsoever? Especially because LeBron in these last three three or four years can just drop threes whenever he wants now. That came out of nowhere. There was years and years of people just chirping him for not being able to shoot. Now he's one of the best shooters. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's you can't stop him when they're both clicking. Well, and, then, and then when they're both clicking, uh, having Rondo there is is also like huge because you know he's one of the only only other guys who has the same kind of vision as LeBron. He can dish like nobody else. And he turns it on in the playoffs too. He's a playoff performer. So having uh having LeBron and AD click in with uh, a guy like Rondo who can feed whichever one's open at any time. It's a yeah. scary trio, honestly. Yeah, the the only saving grace for the league is the fact that Dwight Howard doesn't doesn't quite look like he is going to turn into what people were hoping he could kind of turn the clock back to. But, I mean, it is what it is. You're not going to hit a home run on every pitch. Oh, I, I don't know. I, well, I mean, I don't think he's going to turn into old Dwight Howard, but I think that's a home run signing right there just based on he's had some big games for them in the in the playoffs already, and he's looked good in a couple of them. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking uh, there's plenty of Laker fans out there that had stargazing in their eyes of, oh, we're going to get old Dwight back. And it's like, well, eh, let's, let's slow it down a bit here. He's, he's lost a couple steps. Yeah, lost a couple steps for sure. But having him being able to come off the bench, uh, yeah. that's huge. You know, that's a, you know, you're not really getting mismatched when, uh, you know, their second guys are against are against uh, Howard out there. You know, there's there's no real mismatches coming off the benches. You know what is a complete wild card with this final series that like I actually don't think the Lakers have any of any control of. It's just going to either happen or not. The three-point shooting of Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Because if they're dropping trays all day, what do you do? The Warriors already showed you what happens when teams are just fire from three, right? So 
that that'll be an interesting storyline to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Lakers might be lucky just in the fact that you know this guy. I don't know Robinson. I know Harrow is a uh, pretty young, right? Yeah. Oh, they're both young. Yeah. So just the lack of experience, you know, it can come and go. You know, they they thrive on uh, confidence. So if you can scheme to, you know, make them uncomfortable and then keep their confidence low, uh, you can probably you can probably get in their heads a little more than you could uh, a Steph Curry or Clay Thompson who know that they can literally just hit a shot from anywhere at any time on anybody. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of young guys, uh, a guy that's going to have the spotlight big time on him is Kyle Kuzma. He's going to have a lot of attention, man, and he's going to have to perform or he's going to get reamed out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So anyways, before we move on to uh, week three NFL, uh, what are your predictions for this series? Uh, I am going to go. Oh, geez. Is it ever tight? I'm going to say Lakers in seven. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just barely. And honestly, I'm I'm kind of hesitant, but yeah, I, I think just there's something about the Kobe theme that I brought up basically the day that he died. I said the Lakers are winning the title as soon as that happened, just because that is just it'd be like basketball poetry. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I mean we see that all the time in sports. Uh, just the poetic nature of sports in general. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's pretty fitting that. Uh, LeBron leads the Lakers to a championship the year Kobe dies. I'm also thinking, I think it might be, I might be, I think I'm going with Lakers in six, but I think one of the Lakers wins is a hundred percent toss up, like last second miracle play kind of thing. Not maybe not miracle play, but you know, like a last second where this game is kind of, uh, looks like it could be going Miami's favor and they kind of pull it out last second. So I think it's, it's, I think it's like a seven game series that will end in six games uh, based on maybe a little bit of luck on the Lakers side. But anyways, uh, so moving on to some NFL talk. Um, there's only one game left uh, this week uh, tonight. And big one. Yeah. I mean, this might be the most anticipated game of maybe the entire year. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm as excited for any game more than Baltimore versus Kansas City. What about you? Well, I know I know nobody wants to hype up a game three like it's super impactful, but this is super impactful. This could be the first seed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't see either of these teams losing too many more games this year. So one of them's losing tonight. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's start there, actually, I guess. What do, you, what do you expect to see tonight, Baltimore versus Kansas City? Uh, you know, I'm expecting a lot better Patrick Mahomes play. I think uh, I was looking into some statistics of uh, Patrick Mahomes against the Chargers throughout his career, and they actually seem to just be a team that has his number. They play him enough that they understand his intricacies and the, kind of the way he thinks. So I think that is just chalk it up to uh, division rivalry where they, they have enough familiarity. So I'm not too worried about him coming out flat again. Um, however... Baltimore across the board statistically is showing that like they're the best team in the league, like defense, offense, everything, even their O line is, is playing quite well uh, comparatively to last season. And so, which, which is actually saying a lot considering I think they were the number one rushing team last year. Um, So yeah, like it's a lot of signs point to Baltimore. And for that reason, I'm taking Casey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's fair I mean it just seems like a Mahomes thing to do to be uh, you know either get down early or 
have all the signs pointing towards, yeah, Baltimore might be a better all-around team. Just seems like such a Mahomes thing to do to show up and, and win that game anyways. Yeah. Well, and in my uh, father's pick and pool, he runs a giant pick and pool. There's like a hundred people in it or whatever. I, I did take Baltimore, but that was more or less to hedge my bet because I thought most people would anyways. So I was like, well, you know, if I do well with the rest of the games, then I'm probably in the money. Turns out I didn't do well in the rest of the game, so it really doesn't matter anymore. So on my podcast, I'm flipping the pick and going Kansas City. Nice, yeah. I got I got to stick with my boys and Casey, and and uh, I think they're going to win. I mean, I I can't wait to watch this game though. I think it's going to be incredible. Oh yeah, it's. I think it's going to be an offensive uh, dream tonight. Watch it be just a boring ass game. Mahomes <laughs> yeah. or both Mahomes and uh, Jackson can't complete a pass, and it just defensive game. Yeah. It's going to end like thirteen to like ten. <laughs> that'd be that'd be super disappointing but yeah geez oh well, as long as it's not a tie jesus christ philly <laughs> ties yeah philly ties cincinnati which is almost as embarrassing as losing to cincinnati yeah that might be <laughs> you almost have to try to tie <laughs> yeah Actually, come to think of it, they had a fourth down where they punted with like a minute left in OT. So yeah, they did try to tie. Yeah, like what the hell are you doing, man? Like it's overtime. Like grow yeah. some nuts. Yeah. You am I allowed to do that? <laughs> hey, I'm not stopping you. Yeah. But, so I, I picked out a few things that I just some quick uh quick things that stood out to me from this week, and I'm just gonna rapid fire them at you and uh, just give me your what you think. Uh, so number yeah. one, uh, the Falcons they kind of suck. Falcons stink. That and uh, Big Dick Nick. What's up, buddy? Is this is a trend? Is he is he uh, for real or is he just fucking? Yeah, I'm gonna spot start for this last eight minutes, beat the Falcons, and then uh, fade away. Who knows? Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that was number number uh, that was number two on my list. Uh, Foles replaces Trubisky. You know, I mean, they helped him win that game. And is this a long term thing or is it just a game management type I, of move? Or is it? Do you think Foles I, is gonna be starting some games? I can't confirm, but I'm pretty sure I heard that uh, Foles is starting next week. Oh, uh, well, I, I did. You're right. I did see that today too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I I think uh, Foles is a guy that can actually air it out and is actually a good passer, unlike Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is big for Allen Robinson owners in fantasy. Got to say, uh, naturally, I don't have him on any of my eight teams, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I like the move. Um, it is what it is. I think that they held on to the tr- Trubisky dream for so long because they wasted so much to get him, and they just didn't want to admit that they're wrong. But yeah. you know what? Whatever. Bite the bullet. You're 3-0 and right now, and if Foles is a better quarterback than what you had in, why would you not roll with it and try to keep this momentum going? Yeah. So I'm going to skip ahead on my list a little bit here, and uh, just to – tie into how much Atlanta sucks. I mean, the Cowboys are one gigantic Atlanta collapse from starting this year. zero and three. What do you think about that? I mean, they're, they are one and two, but I mean, fuck the Falcons like that. That's on the Falcons. That's not yeah. on the Cowboys. Yeah. That was one of the worst onside kick mishaps. I think I've ever seen maybe, maybe second worst behind my Colts Hank basket in the Super Bowl against New Orleans saints where the ball hit him square in the chest and he just didn't catch it. Like yeah, bad, 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 bad. And it, I think it's mental at this point. I, I hate to turn the Dallas topic into the Atlanta topic again, but I, with the Falcons, I think it's almost mental at this point. Like they just, it's a block in their brain that they just can't get by. Yeah. But, uh, 
As for the Cowboys, uh, I'd I'd be super stoked about how your offense is playing. Dak Prescott is doing everything that he has to do to try to win games. I mean, he's thrown over 400 yards three games in a row, I'm pretty sure, or at least close to it. Um, so he's doing his part, but that defense looks like shit. And if you're Jerry Jones, you're on the phone with Earl Thomas yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't give the Cowboys credit for that comeback in, uh, against Atlanta. I think that's Cowboys didn't win that game. Atlanta lost that game. In my opinion, I don't have any, I don't have much respect for the Cowboys, but I, you know, I'm, I would have liked to see them be start 0 three because I think that's more indicative of what their team is. They're really good against bad teams and they're not they don't show up against good teams. Well, what's what's super hilarious about that division is they're tied with the Washington football team at the top of the division and the New York football giants are one game back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a whole oh, man, that division is just a crapshoot and a, just a bag of bag of butts, really. Oh, it's it's actually hilarious because those seem like all four of those teams outside of maybe Washington lately, all their fan bases always seem to be the loudest. So it's really funny. Yeah. Okay. Keeping on with this rapid fire, uh, Buffalo stayed hot. They beat the Rams. Yeah. Are you a little bit concerned though with them blowing a twenty-eight to three lead? They naturally came back because Josh Allen is Josh Allen and he's phenomenal this year. But uh, that that's gonna be a little bit uh, scary to to see a lead like that evaporate so quickly. I don't know. I think their their defense is good. I, there's no denying that. So you know that it that happens to the best of the teams. You know, Rams got Rams do got a good offense, and they're and I, my buddy's a Rams fan, and he was telling me he's like last year they looked really bad. This year it looks like their offense is back at least uh, to what it was that you know two years ago when they were the best team in the league. So they can put it together when they have to, and and so I don't I don't I'm not too concerned with Buffalo's defense there. Yeah, biggest thing with those Rams is they uh, have an O-line again, and it looks like they have actually solidified a good running back core. Uh, it's going to be probably a three-headed monster all year. Only two right now with Akers out, but he'll be back eventually. And it looks like they're they're confident and ro- rolling with any of those guys, which is fine because if your O-line's playing well, it really doesn't matter who's getting the rock usually. So uh, yeah. good, good for them in that sense. Uh, one note on that Buffalo game, though, uh, I, I did watch the game, and I think a lot of people would agree there is an egregious pass interference call at the end of the game that ended up costing the Rams uh, the game, which which is tough. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of Saints fans would say, ah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, cost the Rams the game, cost me about 200 bucks. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not too happy about it either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. I guess sometimes calls are going to happen. And I always say this about sports. If you don't want the game to be in the ref's hands, play better. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Vikings, they kind of also suck. Yeah, you love to see it. Uh, Colts beat them, so I'm happy. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that because if my uncle hears this podcast, he's going to rip my face off. He loves the Vikings. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, there's obviously something wrong with Kirk Cousins right now. Um I, I don't know if he's making the wrong reads or if maybe Thielen's too covered, although he's hitting Thielen, so I, I don't know. But um, I also don't understand why it took him this long to remember that Kyle Rudolph catches literally everything in the end zone. Like every every ball thrown his way in the end zone, he comes down with. So I don't know why they don't do that more. Delvin Cook looks like a machine, even though his team sucks. Yeah. Um, but maybe they really miss Diggs. I know the injury to Anthony Barr, their linebacker. I think he's middle linebacker. That's tough. Like, that's one of your best defensive players. So what do you do there? But, um, yeah, they 
they got a big game against Houston this weekend. This is two 0-3 teams that are good. It, like At least uh, most people think they should be good. Yeah. Um, One of them starting 0-4, and- yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, crazy. Uh, so 49ers and Colts, they absolutely stomped on the Jets and Giants this week. Um, so if you're either New York team and you finish dead last and you get first overall, you still take Lawrence, right? Even though you kind of have your your franchise quarterback set, you still go for Lawrence, don't you? Uh, I think you obviously got to play the field first and see, all right, what are teams willing to give up? Because if you can get multiple first-round picks for that pick, I think you probably pull the trigger there just because there's so many holes on those rosters. Like, actually, I think when you look at the Giants specifically, if they could trade the first overall pick and maybe get, like, two firsts and two seconds or something like that, they could instantly have an O-line again, which would make their team exceedingly better. Daniel Jones is showing me already with no O-line whatsoever that he's ready for the NFL uh, they'll have Saquon Barkley back next year. Um, maybe they could assess receiver a bit more. I, I definitely dropped the ball on Sterling Shepard, but it is what it is. Uh, Darius Slayton looks all right. Uh, Evan Ingram's a great tight end as long as he can stay healthy. So, uh, you know, like that's a franchise that could swiftly turn around if they got that pick and were able to make a good trade. Uh, Jets have many holes, um, and I'm not really sure what the fix is there. I don't like that. A lot of the blame comes on Darnold. Like he's 23 years old and there are plays that he makes that not a lot of quarterbacks outside of maybe Mahomes and Rogers can make. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not ready to pull the, the plug on him yet. Yeah. I was actually thinking the other way around uh, from you where I think if the giants finished dead last, I think you take Lawrence and, you know, and, uh, and move on from Daniel Jones, even though I do think Daniel Jones is a legit starting quarterback. I just think, having Lawrence could do more for them than trading that pick. Maybe, maybe, maybe not though. I don't know. I just think for the same reason though, I think Sam Darnold is, is an elite talent wise. He's elite talent wise. He just, he's never been shown the ropes. He's never had support that he needs to grow into it. And I think, uh, I think that's the team that could use that trade to, you know, give him a, some support, give him some offensive weapons, give him some protection and stuff like that. And I, you know, get the offense going and then you can, you know, over the next few years, you can start putting together a defense, but, you know, just keep him protected and let him grow confidence. And I think he's talented enough to um, make it worthwhile for them. Yeah. I don't know. I still got my eye on Jacksonville to maybe sneak in and get that Trevor Lawrence pick though. I love Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania is super fun, man. But like, let's be realistic here. If, if they're getting pumped by Miami, we might need to chalk up week one as kind of a fluke. Yeah, I'm so fucking mad at Gardner Minshew. I'm never starting him in fantasy again. Yeah. I don't know why. I, like, I was just, I thought, you know, I was on the Minshew Madness or whatever the hell this hype train is called. But uh, I was on it. I was, like, I was like, okay, you know, he's looked really good. And they're playing Miami. It's going to be a shootout. He's going to be throwing the ball a ton, you know, hitting his receivers, throwing touchdowns. Uh, 10 points. And now I'm going to lose. I'm yeah. going to be 0-3 in our league, um, which is super disappointing, especially because if I would have just played Ben Roethlisberger sitting on my bench, you know, there's nine more points that I'm probably going to win this week. Or if I, you know, picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was there, I don't know how Wentz did, but I'm sure he did better than 10-point Gardner Minshew. I'm never starting that loser again. <laughs> 
I yeah, I wouldn't put too many eggs in the Wentz basket right now either. No, so no, it is. I drafted him and then I dropped him because he's been so bad already. Yeah. Uh, so next up, Russ keeps cooking. Yeah, does he ever? Holy cow! Thirteen touchdowns. I think that's the record for three games. NFL record through three games. He's thrown thirteen touchdowns. Yeah, or is it? Thir- yeah, it's thirteen. That's right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely He's, and like against you know well i guess cowboys you can kind of torch and atlanta you can kind of torch but he played phenomenal against uh bill belichick's new england defense so it's not like it's a fluke this is real this is happening yeah no he's i mean hopefully he gets the uh that mvp this year because he's playing like it so far and he's the i mean there's five quarterbacks in the league yeah i'd say five quarterbacks in the league that are just fun to watch every week it's mahomes it's lamar jackson it's Kyler Murray, it's Russell Wilson, and I think Josh Allen's in that category right now. Those are those guys are just yeah. fun to watch every week, and, and Russ is balling out right now. Yeah, I'm a big Rodgers guy too, so I've been really enjoying his year. Yeah, I guess he's yeah. been he's been back to a little bit where he used to be. So yeah, he's he's up there too for fun to watch. Yeah, he looks healthy, man. Not to turn this into a Rodgers show, but holy, he looks really healthy and really good. He's, I mean, he's making guys like Alan Lazard look like Devonte adams so. yeah yeah no i uh, i should have taken him instead of fucking wentz yeah hindsight's always 2020 though yeah. what do you do and uh so last one up for this rapid fire that wasn't as rapid as i thought it might be um the saints they're also kind of shit this year well i mean with with uh michael thomas in the lineup they beat the uh patriots they beat the buccaneers who uh actually in their own right look quite good and so there's props there they lost to green bay who everyone's losing to green bay i mean it is what it is there and then uh who's week two again they lost to oh vegas see that's a tough l Mm -hmm. but i think that's your first week without michael thomas in the lineup and uh, obviously they just realized man we rely far too much on him so uh they figured that out in week three they got a lot of usage out of alvin kamara he looked fantastic but uh, Green Bay's offense was just a little too much. Yeah, I'm I'm just a little bit worried about Drew Brees. I don't know if I think he's uh, he's kind of hit that wall for where he can what he can do, and because they have not looked good uh, offensively at, outside of you know Kamara getting just dumped to and and putting up over 200 or almost 200 yards. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm I'm a little worried about Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, I saw uh, some numbers about Drew Brees though, and he's been throwing like these short 20 yards or less passes for the last five years and has been like the most accurate highest QBR because of it type thing. Like I, I don't know if it's his arm or if it's just Sean Payton's play calls, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think they're in okay shape. Uh, They just got to get Michael Thomas back in the lineup and they need to not play against the Packers. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so yeah, that kind of wraps it up. Is there anything else that stands out to you from this week of the NFL, of NFL action? Well, I was curious what your thoughts were on the Cardinals' loss. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, I I'm a, I do like watching the Cardinals. I think they're they're a, kind of a sleeper team this year. Um, and then Detroit just uh, was able to, to squeak it out, you know, right at the end there. So, I mean, it happens. You know, I'm not uh, too concerned about it for from the cardinals perspective uh you know i think what do you take from the game in regards to detroit like do they look like a team to you that's gonna give teams fits all year and like they they're obviously probably not making playoffs here 
but are they the kind of team that might go like seven and nine and really mess with some good teams? Yeah, no, that's, I was just going to say, I don't think Detroit is as bad as um, those first two weeks kind of made them seem. They got Galladay back now, which is obviously huge for their offense. And, you know, Matt Stafford, he's shown for his whole career. He's just going to air it out. He's going to, he's going to put up the points um, and he can, he can hang with, with other shootout teams. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to be a, they're going to be a disruptor for sure. They're going to, they're going to win some games that they shouldn't win. And uh, teams are really going to have to be on their A game offensively anyways, to, uh, to hold them or to, to squeak out some wins against Detroit this year. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to point out, uh, the only other thing I wanted to uh, really touch on was uh, my <clears throat> highlight game of the week next week, the new England Patriots at the Kansas city chiefs. That is a trap game for the chiefs, man. <laughs> yeah. That is a sketchy, sketchy game. Yeah. I mean, any pretty much any game, uh, at home against the Patriots can be a trap game for those good teams. Cause you know, you think you have the, uh, the momentum and the, the advantage, but you know, Bill Belichick, man. I'll tell you what, I'll feel a lot more confident about Casey's chances next week. If they can come out flying against Baltimore tonight. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, there's definitely a world where they are two and two after next week. So yeah. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, and then they probably don't lose another game the rest of the regular season. But you know, two and two, you know, not uh, not where you want to be if you're the defending Super Bowl champions. But anyways, uh, that's our show today uh, from myself and Jet and everyone else at Blue Collar Media Group. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and and we'll see you again next week. Yeah, catch you later.